Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights C-Suite Conversations. I'm your host today, John McIndoe, Chief Marketing Officer here at IRI. As many of you know, IRI integrates big data, predictive analytics, and forward-looking insights to help CPG companies, retail, healthcare, and media organizations grow their businesses. We also share our thought leadership with the industry at large with the goal of addressing and tackling key challenges within our industry. Our special C-Suite Conversation series features notable leaders talking about the future of CPG retail and media. In this special episode, we'll be talking in detail about the media market, and we're honored to be joined here today by Michelle Hulse, Chief Operating Officer of the Trade Desk. I joked with with Michelle um, that it was kind of odd that we were taping this virtually when theoretically we should all be at Can Lion drinking uh, rosé on the Quasette, but that will be for next year. One of IRI's valuable industry partners is the Trade Desk. Trade Desk is a technology company that empowers buyers of advertising, enabling creation, management, and optimization of digital advertising campaigns across ad formats and devices. Michelle was promoted to the COO role in January of 2021 and is responsible for global operations, data, commercial enablement, and client services. Previously, Michelle was the Trade Desk's Executive Vice President of Global Data and Strategy. Michelle brings with her more than 20 years of leadership experience in advertising and data management. She's a personal friend of ours and a great partner. Our relationship with Michelle goes back to her days at Data Logics before it was purchased by Oracle. Talking with Michelle today is IRI's Executive Vice President of Omnichannel Media that sits within our Media Center for Center of Excellence, Jennifer Polino. Jennifer, Michelle, welcome. It's great to be with you today, albeit virtually. And with that, I'll pass it over to Jennifer. Thank you, John, and welcome, Michelle. I know John mentioned in his introduction that we've known each other for many years. It actually goes back to when you were at Data Logics and I was at Dunhumby USA before uh, we the joint venture split to 8451, and we worked closely together to um, help media companies uh, drive better optimization through use of data and. Uh, connecting exposure information to offline sales. And so the landscape since then has changed um, because we were in the infancy of doing this and it has continued to change and evolve from how we serve our customers to global reach. And of course the ecosystem, which has had many, many changes um, over the years and uh, had considerable acceleration over the pandemic uh, um, as well as with some new changes in how data is being looked at across the board. So let's bring it forward a little bit and and talk about what we've seen over the last 15 months or so and in other areas of our business. You know, how do you think that we've really accelerated within this data-driven advertising world? Sure. And just first of all, thanks for having me here. It is crazy when you think how far back we go. Although I feel like that was just John's, you know, polite way of saying that we're old, you know, talking about <laughs> right. <all> together. 
<laughs> but there has been a lot that's changed and definitely the past, you know, 12 to 15 months of the pandemic has been very challenging for marketers, but also has accelerated a lot of the change that changes that we've seen. Um, and it just really, you know, there were a lot of things at play. So we saw that the economy that was really a healthy economy when the pandemic hit just basically went on pause. Um, and now as markets start to reopen, we see advertisers realizing that the way that they're gonna drive business growth is to really uh, double down on data-driven advertising. And so we saw companies kind of hit the pause button initially uh, when everything hit and then uh, really started to look at, okay, now that things are starting to reopen, how do I get to reach the consumers that I really wanna reach uh, in the most effective way possible? And we also saw a lot of acceleration of consumer behavior also. The pandemic really accelerated consumer shift that we were seeing pre-pandemic, but of consumers moving from linear television viewing to CTV, which just helped with the whole data-driven advertising experience for advertisers because they were really able to use all of those tools that they could use in other parts of digital and now apply them to a much different creative uh, format that we see in TV. So it's, that was really exciting. The other thing that we saw was advertisers uh, with, you know, kind of uncertainty around budgets and not really understanding where this was going, when were we going to be able to uh, to reemerge and reopen, which I think now the market has a lot more uh, hope for and confidence that that's happening quickly, uh, especially in this part of the world. But prior to that, there was also a lot of focus on how can I be as efficient as possible with my advertising? And so really wanting to make sure that every dollar that they were spending was generating a return. And so we saw marketers uh, under you know, pressure from their C-suite to make sure that they were squeezing you know, the most, uh, most out of every dollar that they spend. And then and also that they could really prove the efficacy of their advertising. So we saw that happen a lot as well. Um, and we saw, you know, really an increase in the different types of partners that we work with and di different types of data um, that was being demanded in the platform was really driving toward how can I prove ROI? Yeah. And Michelle, you know, when you when you when you talk about the different types of partners uh, and the different types of um, data that clients were using to help make their media more efficient, you know what it you know we specifically work a lot with you know the CPG industry and you know retailers who support um, the consumer products. And as you know, there there had been such elevated levels of sales within these products, people buying and trying new products that they haven't, assortments being adjusted to keep up with the supply chain. And a lot of this had, you know, trickle down effects on what the brands were going to do from an advertising perspective, not only how much they were going to spend, but also to who they were going to target. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, from the perspective of uh, consumer products and from a distribution and, uh, side that you had seen what was going on? Absolutely. So a couple things. One is with that change in consumer behavior, 
that what we saw, how we saw that materialized, especially in retail, for example, is during the pandemic, you saw shelves were bare when consumers were going to buy products that they were used to purchasing, right? I, I went in to buy, um, you know, I'm brand loyal customer on brand X. I go in to find it and it's not on the shelf anymore. What am I going to do? Okay, well, I don't have a lot of, a lot of options. I'm going to try this brand. What it actually did was it uh, had a lot of consumers trying new products. So fantastic. Um, but as advertisers, you want to understand what's happening, where those consumer shifts occurring. And if you are a brand that's being tried now, you want to understand who's trying you, you know, and how you can reach them to encourage them to come back and purchase again. They got a taste of your brand. Now you want to make them brand loyal. So we saw a lot of that happening. And then also just a scramble um, from advertisers to understand just those big, big shifts from a consumer behavior. Uh, how do, uh, you know, what are the trends that the pandemic kind of help spur, but now are, are kind of carrying on from a consumer standpoint going forward. So we right. see uh, even outside of like CPG, uh, like in the, I'll just give an example, you know, uh, consumers changing to more digital forms of engaging with brands. And so then is that something that's a, you know, that kind of was sparked by the pandemic, but then is a, is a um, consumer trait that's here to stay? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always say to some of the brands that we work with, I'm just like, my goodness, because I would, you know, I grew up in, you know, brand management and the biggest gift that you could ever get was something like this from an acquisition standpoint of the new consumers that you brought into your fold without having to uh, fully pay, you know, the four, five, twelve dollars that normally it takes to acquire them through the use of advertising. So, um, yes, so a lot of changes there. You know, while those changes were happening, there was also a ton of assessment in the marketplace about data due to increasing data regulations and information gathering and the origins of that. And we also, too, have this potential contraction of data based off of how uh, platforms are looking to use data. You know, and brands are really worried that they won't be able to connect with the right consumers. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, we've been um, living and breathing this for the past <laughs> year plus. Um, so it's something that's near and dear to my heart, but really at the core, the value exchange, the open internet, which is as a consumer, you get free content in return for getting relevant advertising served to you. That's not changing. Um, what we are seeing is, you know, as most are aware in this industry, is that there have been changes like announcements of third-party cookies going away, for example. And so marketers and advertisers are trying to understand how is that going to impact how I advertise uh, going forward. And I think part of the challenge is um, a couple things. One is it's important to remember that uh, display advertising, which is really where cookies uh, cookies live and where data-driven advertising um, is reliant upon third-party cookies, is becoming a smaller and smaller part of the overall you know, advertising platform, connected advertising mm -hmm. and data-driven advertising. But I also think that it, we as an industry, we haven't really done a good job of explaining that quid pro quo. And so what we really saw uh, is that kind of lack of explanation 
information, plus some of the breaches that we've seen in trust by you know big walled garden tech companies. And then you see other uh, big com tech companies using those breaches as a way to really drive home uh, kind of an instill fear from a consumer privacy data standpoint. So you see all that stuff that's been playing out over this past year. Um, and it just really hasn't helped build trust in digital advertising among the consumer base. And so what we saw as all this was playing out was, first of all, a way to upgrade how digital data, data driven advertising has occurred to date. And that has been based on a cookie again in display. And if we were to go back and redesign that today, you know, it was happening when way back when, when we were working together. Um, but if we were to go back to redesign that, we wouldn't have designed it based on a cookie because there are just inherent flaws in that. Mm -hmm. And so at Trade Desk, we really looked at how can we use this moment as a way to upgrade the overall experience for consumers, for publishers and for advertisers. And so we really, uh, with that, launched Unified ID 2.0, which is an industry-wide effort um, to be able to uh, replace the way that data-driven advertising occurs today, which is cookie-based, based on consent-based IDs. And it's mm -hmm. um, uh, we're super excited about the one, just the adoption across the industry. Again, we kind of launched this, but this isn't our product. It's open-sourced. It's interoperable with other IDs, and it is meant to be a um, a you know something that is truly is kind of like a common currency across uh, data driven advertising that the whole industry can leverage. And so the amount of adoption that we've seen across key industry players. Uh, we just announced um, on the CTV side, Fox's 2B TV this week. We have a whole host of publishers on board that are embracing this, including, you know, Washington Post um, and others, as well as data partners and, um, and industry players as well. So it's been this collective effort by the whole industry. And one of the things that's been really exciting about it is it's a baseline that's kind of, again, like kind of common currency that everyone can align on. It's interoperable with other folks' IDs as well. And so advertisers can kind of work with whatever part, you know, whoever partners they're working with right now and the IDs that they're aligning on and have confidence that those are going to be interoperable with UID2 so that they can work across all of the media types and have that connectivity, which is really key, especially when you're thinking about things like uh, reach and frequency as an advertiser, right. that's going to be really important. Yeah, no, that's so important because um, the, the confidence that it gives that you can be able to look at a universal approach to not only uh, be able to connect and place your ads where you need to, but also to be able to understand the, as you said, the reach and the frequency across all of the different platforms with a universal approach in a protection um, in a compliant and protective way uh, for people to help ensure that concerns, you know, if there are any from uh, any organizations can be protected. Right? Exactly. And I think one other thing is that also, I, I just, I see this narrative kind of playing out a little bit in the industry right now of, okay, great. Those are consented IDs you know, UID2, other types of consented IDs, but that's only going to be, you know, X percent. Like there's no way that it could cover all of the, you know, users on the internet. And so we've seen that dialogue kind of playing out. And I think the industry is asking the wrong question there because mm -hmm. there will be consented IDs, um, but there are also going to be a whole host of 
other um, kind of identity solutions. And I think the question we should be asking as uh, you know, people in the industry, whether it's publishers or advertisers are really, and, and partners, frankly, are what's the confidence level that I'm reaching the actual person that I want right. to be reaching with my advertising. And that is where I see identity as a spectrum of, of levels of confidence, essentially. And so I think, you know, these um, consent-based IDs that probably are going to have a very high level of confidence that you're reaching the correct person on the other side. And I think there will be other identity solutions that help fill in that picture where maybe the confidence levels, you know, go down slightly. But overall, when we think about what we have today with the water effect, waterfall effect of cookies, um, you know, all of the challenges that we have with cookie-based solutions, we are in such a better situation um, with the solutions that we're working on today. So I'm really excited about what that future holds from an identity standpoint. Yes, and and you know, speaking of that, uh, the ability to use that also too for uh, first party people's first party data, right? Which is really the ultimate option um, for you know any advertiser to use to make sure that you're really um, connecting to the right people and um, being able to. Uh, use that data also too to enhance, right, with other data sets. Um, and in the industry where we work currently today, we're, there's many retailers in which we work with too that understand the value of their data. And so we've also seen this emergence of retail media platforms and the importance of shopper data uh, for effective ad campaigns across formats and devices. I mean, especially in particular for CPG products, which tend to not have a lot of first party data. So how do you think when, as you're looking at, you know, retail media, and um, how it's operating today and how brands and retailers can continue to connect and use these, these data sets to ensure that we can get the right information out to the right people and still um, in, a, in a compliant manner. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, most retailers definitely recognize the value and the power of their shopper data. And, um, and we see, you know, those retailers working with us and other companies like yourselves in order to make that data available so that their suppliers can reach their consumers and market more effectively to them in a secure, privacy-friendly way. So uh, we're seeing that. We're seeing the value of, again, as you mentioned, first-party data and these identity solutions that unlock the ability for that data to be made available with very high fidelity without a lot of drop mm -hmm. off or noise introduced in everything, which is really great. Um, and we see purchase-based data as being so central to driving efficacy in ad campaigns. So CPGs and other advertisers really wanna understand, did this advertising result in more sales? And that type of data can help them do so. Each retailer is probably going to have a slightly different approach, but there's just this common thread um, in these retailers that they really understand that the full value of their data is being able to provide that in the open internet 
to not have it locked up in different silos and, and things like that. You know, we announced earlier this year a partnership that we have with Walmart to bring their data into the platform. We have a number of other retailers that we work with in order to do similar type things, as well as companies that work with multiple um, retailers in order to bring their data together. Again, it's an area where you're focused on, but other partners as well to bring all that in. And again, we've just seen the demand um, be so high from the CPG advertisers and other advertisers that don't have a huge amount of first party data. And so they are looking for proxies for their first party data that are really uh, high quality and can help drive the insights that they're looking for. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we know this intimately uh, well, right, on how important the purchase data information is. I mean, that's not going away regardless of a cookie or whatnot, um, you know, of how they used to, uh, how we're looking to identify. We have the ability to use that same connected data, understand how purchases can, you know, be used to find the right people. And they are the, if you are a category buyer, you know, we know it and we can help get to the right individuals, no matter what um, other information that is used, that foundation of that purchase for a consumer product uh, company is absolutely the, the most precious information that they can have. So it's really good to, um, you know, be partners also to partners with you in, in, in that regard of being able to help optimize that media and that exchange and that value exchange with the publishers, with consumers, with the advertisers. Um, and we do that, right, with, as you had said, you can do that across all of these connected mediums now. It's not just, right, the, the digital ad. Um, you mentioned it at the, at the forefront when we looked at accelerated, accelerated platforms during the pandemic, where we saw a real shift in the growth of streaming and connected TV advertising, where the, you know many people were only using linear TV you know, before. Now they have this real opportunity to use the purchase information, to use that real knowledge about how people are purchasing their products into those platforms for better planning and targeting. How do you uh, talk a little bit about like what you're seeing on that side? Yeah, sure. So, um, so, you know, TV is typically the, one of the biggest segments in most marketers campaign, uh, and it has long been considered the best way to win the hearts and minds of consumers. And, um, as I mentioned, we've seen this huge, huge shift in consumer behavior during the pandemic. And we saw it before the pandemic, but we really saw it accelerate pretty significantly during the pandemic where you saw folks, you know, they were cord cutting before, but they started cord cutting in massive numbers during the pandemic. We also, I think all of us um, started watching a lot more television <laughs> than we did before. And we saw this explosion of streaming TV. So that was all happening. Um, we saw, we saw in our platform, there was a tipping point that was basically hit this past year, uh, which was the number of USC TV households exceeded 87 million and, and our cable subscriptions were less than 80 million. So we saw that tipping point occur during the pandemic, which mm -hmm. is again, really putting CTV 
front and center. And what I love about that as someone who's a data-driven marketer and focused on how data can help advertising is that it, it allowed a lot of advertisers to start to really see the value of data-driven advertising across all types of mediums, not just display advertising or areas that they were comfortable with and they, that they, you know, really, uh, you know, felt like, oh, okay, I know, you know, this is where I focus on programmatic. It really still helped expand that universe and bring the same tools that we see in programmatic to TV, which was really exciting. Um, we also saw that it wasn't just like the millennials that are watching TV. So um, so in eMarketer, I think they had a stat recently that it was like 77% of adults 45 to 54 have adopted CTV. So it's here. Mm. And the brands realize that if they're not advertising on CTV, that they're probably going to be you know, missing out on audiences. Um, and, and we've seen, uh, we did a study with um, iSpot just looking at data across various campaigns. And what we found was that 67% of the households reached on CTV were unique. So as an advertiser, you can't just rely on linear anymore. You're going to miss out on all of these different audiences. So that was really exciting. Um, and then all the things that come with that huge consumer shift to CTV, as I mentioned, unlock all of the tools that we've been able to see on um, other parts of digital in the past. So, you know, you can apply data-driven advertising across TV at scale. Um, you have flexibility in your TV advertising campaigns to allow for control on reach and frequency, which is really mm -hmm. critical. Um, and it's not just on you know, the TV portion, but you can look at that across your entire media campaign, which is really exciting. Right. Um, so those were some of the things that we saw. It's just, again, it's one of those silver linings coming out of a really difficult time for a lot of, you know, folks in the industry of, uh, of this, this shift that is driven in consumer behavior. And then once the consumers shift, the marketers follow. And so it's just forced folks to really get more comfortable and familiar with all of the tools that data-driven advertising uh, unlocks. Yeah. And, and, you know, Michelle, you had mentioned, um, which I think is absolutely critical, right? There has been always this challenge um, and it's still a challenge. We're getting better, but this challenge of managing frequency across so many of the different platforms, right? You were unable to be able to do that with linear TV, but now the connected TV, you are able to do that across all of your, across all of your digital type of assets and the ability of which you can start optimizing in all of the different platforms platforms to manage that is really important. And that brings us to another area, which is evolution and the, or another evolution and that speed of which data is coming in. So that now that marketers have that ability to really adapt on the fly and understand the purchases and the shopper reactions and quickly tie that to the advertising and the business results and make sure that they can make those changes. What do you think about that today from a speed standpoint and how how fast do you think we're going to be able to do that? Because there's still some limitations on the fact that, you know, a number of people always take a look at the plans to make the optimization. So where do you think we're going and how fast do you think we're going to get there? Yeah, I think there's a desire by, by the advertisers. Uh, we hear it it's a lot from the CPGs 
to get the data closer and closer and closer to where the decisions are being made. And what we see in the data is that the closer you get the data to where the decisions are being made, meaning which ad am I going to serve? Who am I serving it to? Um, the more effective the advertising is. And so as an industry, the more we can focus on that, getting the right data, um, again, purchase based data is like the holy grail there um, for a lot of advertisers and being able to get that into platforms where you can make quick decisions uh, and determine who you're reaching from an audience standpoint is really, really critical. We definitely see a lot of demand for that amongst our advertisers. I think some of the stuff I talked about where we're starting to see acceleration in retail partners and making their data available to advertisers for that reason, you know, for that use case is really critical. And, and again, such a key component of that is, as you mentioned, the ability to then get feedback and results using that data and using that to optimize and pivot if needed um, and make those changes that are needed uh, to, to, you know, make sure that you're driving effectiveness as much as possible. And so there is no shortage of, uh, of desire, I think, from the market to, ex or to shorten that time frame, accelerate you know, the speed as much as possible. And that is definitely something that you know, at the trade desk that we're working on as a company, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So if you had uh, a few things to, to say for brands um, for consideration, for consideration now, in the environment that we're in, what are the most important, um, you know, top three or four uh, points for a brand to consider now as they're looking in uh, how they're how they're working within the ecosystem today? Yeah. Um, well, I as as it's abundantly clear in this discussion, I think data driven advertising is absolutely key and critical. If you're not using data, then that's a challenge for sure. I think as you know, we all know that we have cookies uh, that that are going to be going away at some point in the future. Um, and frankly, regardless, I think we should as advertisers. Um, advertisers should be testing identity solutions and do it now. I don't think we should be waiting until, you know, I, I, I use this analogy sometimes is mm -hmm. what we experienced with, um, uh, uh, with uh, GDPR in Europe is like, I think we all just kind of thought, yeah, it's coming, it's coming, but do we really have to deal with this? And then it came and everybody tried to scramble to deal with it. Um, I really hope as an industry, and I, I don't think that's happening from what we've seen, but I hope people don't put off testing. There's so much upside that we've seen advertisers that start converting their first party data into, in, in our case, into UID2s and then starting to transact on those throughout the ecosystem um, that they're getting a lot of benefit. So I encourage advertisers to do that. Along those lines, if you have first party data, encouraging you to continue to focus on capturing that and also uh, converting those uh, and starting to transact on it. If you don't have first party data or it's limited, is working with folks that have, um, again, proxy first party data that can be used that, that you can leverage. So in the case of the CPG, working you know, with retail data, for example, in order to help your data-driven advertising. And then I can't emphasize enough CTV that we were just spent a bunch of time talking about, but really uh, 
use, you know, making sure that that's incorporated in pretty robustly into your um, planning and into your campaigns and your media spend, um, because I think you're really missing out on core, uh, you know, core consumers if you don't have that. And again, you can apply all of these great tools, whether it's, you know, related to reaching the right audiences or measuring the effectiveness of your advertising across that medium, as well as all the others. So you get a really good picture of how your whole campaign is working. Exactly. And keep advertising, right? Keep advertising because exactly. advertising is good. Yeah. And <laughs> when so, done well, when done well. Yes. Yeah. And you, you think about that, right? Again, when we go back to the pandemic, because it's so top of mind right now, because we're just kind of, you know, in this weird transition phase now where we feel like we're, you know, starting to emerge. Um, although, as John said, we're not, uh, we're not in can having, uh, having rosé. So until that happens, we haven't really emerged, right? But if you think about uh, what's happening there is consumers now are making decisions. They've, you know, they weren't spending necessarily, and now they're spending. When you think about travel, for example, the Hawaii, the route to Hawaii is insane, especially from the U.S., because that's where travelers are coming from. It's domestic right now. When I say U.S., I mean mainland U.S., right. the islands. And so what you're seeing is you have consumers that are making decisions of which airline am I going to go with? You better believe that advertising is helping drive those decisions. It's the same thing that we were talking about on decisioning on products where they might have been trialing um, new products in store uh, from, you know, from a CPG standpoint. And now they're trying to decide um, what do I buy next, you know, and, and advertising is factoring into all of that right now. So definitely um, to marketers, it's important to double down on advertising and making sure when you are that you're spending on the stuff that's actually effective. That's going to be really key. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so thank you, Michelle. We wanted to wrap up. You know what we wanted to wrap up, though, with um, some fun little facts, um, because it's been such a great conversation and close with a lightning round. And here's some of the things um, I'm going to ask you about th four questions, four or five okay. questions. And uh, what's coming to the top of your mind? So what's your favorite podcast? Okay, so this probably won't win for the, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, like I have things that I listen to that are informative, like news podcasts and things like that. But uh, one podcast that I really love right now is Smartless. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. So it's um, uh, Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean Hayes, and they just mm -hmm. invite a guest every week and talk to them. And most of the guests are their friends, um, but they also have people, you know, that really know what they're talking about, like, uh, uh, you know, astronauts and things like that, that they talk to um, and just have a conversation. And what I love about that is they're just really funny. And so, especially again, coming out of this weird, you know, pandemic time, <laughs> just nice to get a good laugh in. Um, but I was also, I was also a huge fan of Arrested Development. I don't know others out there that you know, watch that. If not, you can stream it uh, back to our conversation on, you know, CTV. But, um, but it's just like the rapport between all of them uh, is just really great too. So it's just a I'm fun I have to listen. I haven't, I haven't listened to that one. So favorite, <laughs> so favorite or best or pandemic behavior, not favorite, I guess, pandemic behavior that you're going to stick with. And then the one that you're just, you can't wait to get rid of. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so the one that I'll stick with for those of you that know me is I'm a huge walker and hiker. I love to walk. And I did this before the pandemic, but I often take walk and talks with my team. If I have a one-on-one, -on -one. um, when it was pre-pandemic, I would be forcing them to go walk around the city with me. <laughs> <laughs> some of them appreciate it. I think some of them were like, could you have warned me that I could have changed into some, you know, sweat clothes or something or, you know, workout clothes. Um, but that is definitely something that during the pandemic, it was just a way to get, you know, away from zoom for a little while. Um, and I feel like it gets you more engaged with somebody one-on-one -on -one when you're listening to them and you can kind of ideate and everything. So I'm going to keep doing that post pandemic. Um, for one that I want to get rid of, I would say, so I'm a, I'm a mom of three boys and our kids were all in remote school, um, which is just, I give so much gratitude to their teachers and I am so impressed with what they did, um, you know, this past year and a half, especially with what they were dealing with. I don't know how they did it or got through it, um, but it also made me so grateful for in-person education and understanding just how important that is for the minds of our children and for them to have that social engagement and just be in a classroom, I think is really important. So I'm really looking forward to getting my kids yeah. back. So you're looking forward to stopping to be, I can empathize, stopping to be a teacher and a CRO. So yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I can understand two jobs. Yeah, that's challenging too, for sure. Exactly. Okay, and last one really quick. What is your favorite destination and where would you like to go to be traveling? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this one's probably pretty generic too, but uh, just again, three kids, all span of ages, multiple palettes and everything. Um, Italy is a favorite across the board of our family. You know, my husband and I love it. My kids love it. We've been you know, all over the country. And so that's just a lovely place to go. Um, and, you know, looking forward to getting back there. And then I would say definitely looking forward to getting to some of the places that have been our list that, you know, we've been on pause for the past year and a half. So just really looking forward to getting back out there and traveling around the world. Well, that's good. Well, I, I look forward to seeing you in person very soon yes. and um, having our, our, our real can um, rosé, um, wherever that shall be, but it will be very nice. And I really thank you for the fantastic conversation. So thank you, Michelle, and look forward to continuing our amazing partnership between IRI and Trade Desk and helping our uh, advertising partners improve all of their media marketing spend. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate thank you. it. Thanks so much, Michelle and Jennifer. An, an incredible conversation, truly fascinating to really learn how fast this market is changing and how CPG advertisers can and should be continuing to build meaningful and beneficial relationships with their consumers using a variety of new approaches to data-driven advertising. So many takeaways um, that our listeners will get from this, but I thought I'd recap a few of the big things that I heard. Obviously, we talked about the dramatic changes in data-driven um, advertising and how the advertising landscape is continuing to evolve at, at rapid pace. Um, the shifts in economy and the pandemic behaviors, the doubling down of data-driven advertising after a brief pause, uh, the acceleration of consumer behaviors, 
combined with significant move from linear TV to connected TV content viewing, certainly the need for greater advertising efficiencies and increased focus on ROI from the boardroom all the way down and really ensuring that every dollar moves the needle from a sales and engagement and customer experience perspective. You guys also talked about new buying, brand switching and trialing and those trends that started in the pandemic, how they helped spur um, some really fundamental shifts and what was happening at the shelf and on online and how some of those are lasting and some of those are fading and how do you get a good read on that? You talked about changes in privacy regulations, emerging industry standards for the cookie-less world, a lot of work that um, the Trade Desk is doing, evolving consumer demand and ongoing efforts to really increase trust in the digital advertising space. You also touched on the emergence of retail media platforms high quality first party data, purchase based data and loyalty data and the vast array of both existing as well as emerging data assets and the opportunity to leverage these assets in really truly in a new and integrated fashion and that the power of that um, really unlocks for advertisers, what that unlocks for advertisers to truly connect with consumers at the right time in a compliant and consumer friendly manner. You also spoke about optimization and the need for real-time feedback on campaign effectiveness and the new and emerging ability to optimize and course correct in an ex far accelerated fashion mid-campaign, not looking in the rear view mirror of what happened, but actually in real time while you're still on that journey and course correcting to make sure that your campaign really paid off. A couple of big takeaways that, uh, that we closed off on in terms of things that brands must consider moving forward. First and foremost, the power of data-driven advertising. It's here to stay, embrace it. Testing identity solutions now, don't wait. Um, they're emerging. We need to get out and test and learn. If you've got first-party data, use it. If not, work with partners who do to test and learn and get proficient before this becomes you know, the true way of how we're operating and how we are executing our media activation programs. Leveraging retail media platforms now, again, to test and learn. Keep advertising. Michelle, you made an excellent point. Consumers are making decisions and spending now. So now is the time to really leverage advertising to capture hearts, minds, and share. So really a, an illuminating, com illuminating conversation. Thank you so much. For our listeners and viewers, this recorded conversation will be available at our website, iriworldwide.com. We hope you'll take the opportunity to review our other thought leadership, including valuable reports, and of course, our dashboard of economic indicators. So with that, I will bid you all adieu. Uh, have a great rest of the week. Be safe and uh, take care. Thanks for joining us.